Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together twice a week to chew on God's Word together and discuss you know, biblical principles and, and what we're doing in our lives and seeing fruit from and sharing that with you, hopefully to see some fruit in your life and be encouraged. So this morning we have Jarrell S. Carper with us. Middle name Scott. Middle name Scott. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hi, listeners. Hello, listeners. Uh, we just completed week one of our practices, official practices. Mm-hmm. So we had eight weeks, but six of them are practices. Yep. This is learning. Yeah, week one learning. Sean uh, preached the sermon. And uh, yeah, Brett kicked us off, kind of introducing loving God, loving your neighbor, the basics of following Jesus, uh, set the stage for Sean to come in and talk about uh, our first practice, which is uh, committing to to be learners, which is actually what the word uh, disciple kind of literally translates. Okay, so we're talking about learning. Give us a lay of the land. Uh, yeah, a little lay of the land. So um, we are going to, the next six weeks, the next five weeks, we're going to cover six discipleship practices. And, and we kind of frame these up to be kind of meta practices or meta, like larger categories where there are sub practices beneath them. So for learning, something you might do is memorize scripture or have a daily reading plan of your Bible. And um, so each practice is also kind of an umbrella term for a variety of sub practices. And one of the cool things about this series is uh, we're hoping that this can serve both as an introduction to the faith for a new believer or someone that's just checking out following Jesus, um, but also as great foundational reminders for people who have been Christians for their whole lives. And so think of it as kind of like the fundamentals. So if you're playing basketball, there'd be like passing, shooting, cardio, (laughs) team tactics, whatever you want, defense. And um, so we're kind of covering the basics in a way that is introductory enough for a new believer, but also profound and compelling enough to kind of bring ongoing believers kind of back to the the foundations of our faith. Awesome. So with learning, somebody is going to hear that. They're going to hear student, disciple, these kinds of things. And they're going to think, I, I've got to be real smart and I got to do a lot of book reading to accomplish this. So help somebody who's kind of approaching this idea of learning as an extension of their faith and maybe fix some of those preconceived notions. Uh, yeah. So, well, we, what we, we don't mean is that, you know, our faith is overly simplistic or it, it doesn't have space for intellectual questions that it's, that it's for people that don't want to think critically or something like that. Um, when Jesus, I mean, Sean did a great job on Sunday of showing how God is someone who has revealed himself to us. And so kind of like at a very basic level, you want to follow this Jesus who claims to be the son of God. Let's talk about how God has revealed himself in the word, in creation, in his son. Um, and the phrase that Jesus used was take my yoke upon me. And so um, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but the idea that following Jesus is bigger than just kind of acquiring intellectual information, but is also a way of life. And so the, the cool thing about a yoke is it's shared and our yoke is shared with Jesus, which is why it becomes a yoke that is bearable and in, in his light. And so, um, yeah, there, there is gospel truth for, you know, you, if you're just getting started out and also kind of compelling, you know, deep rabbit holes to go down, if you're looking to, um, explore some intellectual avenues of your faith as well. So we can take comfort knowing that we're not bearing this burden alone. It's not just an intellectual ascent. 
you know, where we're just filling our big brain to feel smart and kind of strut around. Um, but it's actually something like Sean said that we come to humbly and is an easy burden. I love what he said that it's a burden that bears you, you know, that it carries you along as you grow in maturity and knowledge of the Lord, that it, it, uh, I don't know what the right word is, simplifies, makes easier. You know, those all feel reductive, but it blesses you and, and encourages your spirit. Yeah, for sure. And I and I think as time passes, I mean, we're both on the younger end of probably even the listening audience. Who knows? I don't know. But um, I think sometimes we can kind of solidify kind of our knowledge. And then, you know, once we hit a certain age, we maybe lose a little bit of the humility or teachability that we might have once had as Christians. And it is that ongoing posture of like waking up every day and saying, like, God, I want to learn more and more what it means to follow you. Um, I want to learn more about who you are, um, what you've called me to do. And that continuous rhythm of, of creating spaces in your life where you would learn. Yeah. And I think everyone needs spaces like that, which is part of the reason we got together and, and started doing this was creating a space you know, you're driving in your car. You got 15 minutes to kill. Throw mm-hmm. this on. Hopefully you'll be encouraged. Don't kill time. Don't kill time. Time has feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, Sean mentioned, you know, kind of a daily devotional rhythm of Bible reading, which is kind of the obvious go-to. I wanted to highlight three other kind of just, you know, toss ups for what we could do to learn. Um, the first is to take what you've already heard and find a way to better remember, chew on it, or apply it. And so we live in an age where information is just pounding down our brains. It's information overload. And so it can be hard to remember even the things that we have learned. I mean, think, what was the sermon last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago? And you're like, that was great in the moment, but I've already forgotten it. And so a lot of our small groups um, engage in sermon questions the following week and chewing on that in the context of community and hashing out kind of how that sermon applies to your life is a great way to better remember it. And, you know, we've kind of had a couple of jokes about taking notes during the sermon, but we created space in our discipleship handbook for you to take notes on the sermon as a way of recall and as a way of better paying attention during the sermon itself. And so on the pastoral side of preaching, we spend time each week um, crafting a sermon for our people from God's word. Um, and we should make the most of the opportunities that we already do have to learn. Agreed. Yeah. As somebody who is a pretty avid note taker myself, this is a very serious note taker. I have one time I prepared, uh, it's scary for a class. And I think I had like 50 note cards with notes on them. It was obnoxious and Stupid, You're stressing me out. Just I'm just talking about it. about it. But what I really find as an approach to taking notes is is observe for big picture stuff, synthesize the information, and then just look for ways that it applies to you, and then observe again to see if there's consistency there. You know, if you can grab the big picture stuff of Sean's sermon and write it out in your own words, and then ask yourself, okay, Lord, how does this apply to my life? How can I honor you in these things? And then as you you know, read your Bible more, continue to build up on those big picture ideas. So it doesn't have to be like a, I got to get every word down kind of pressure. Yeah. And I totally, Chris, and I, I think being there on a Sunday morning is also really important. We're, we're doing this eight week series and there's like the cynical side of my brain is like, we're going to walk people through eight weeks. And I wonder how many weeks the average UFC person is, is actually going to be able to hear. And if you only heard four, like how many 
is like, is that enough to really get the picture? Um, so, you know, part of our learning is having a high view of God's word, which culminates on a Sunday morning sermon, which is designed for to shepherd our people. And we want our people to be there. Yeah. I mean, the, the individual nature sometimes that people assume with learning is that you sit by yourself quietly in a cafe with low jazz music playing and your cappuccino is smoky, no. uh, foggy and uh, steamy. That's the one. I love those smoky cappuccinos, smoky cappuccinos, boys. It's the only way to drink them. Um, but this, this type of learning is very much a community driven learning where we are one body who are, who are drive driven to support and encourage and correct and teach each other. Yeah. And that's a whole other tangent, but the overlap of a lot of these practices is to not think of them in isolation, but think of them as complementary or overlapping or linking together. I thought of different ways to visually illustrate it. One was like the Olympic sign. They're all linked together, but whatever. That's from another time. The golden chain. Okay. So we've, yeah, we talked about (laughs) chewing on what you already do get to hear each week, which is the sermon. And then the second one is just reading large chunks of scripture. Um, When I was taught to study the Bible, it we spent so much time focusing on zooming in really closely and studying words and picking things apart and die like gra- grammar diagrams and which I love and I'm a, and I uh, support, but sometimes we can get lost. We, we miss the act, like the big picture of what's actually going on. And the way I like to, to talk about it is if you were going to explore a new city, um, if I just put you on the ground and had you walk around and you had to study like, particular sidewalks and street names and you were just you you didn't have any like geographical grounding of where you were or we could do a flyover of the city and i'm and i say there's the river there's the amphitheater there's the big park this is where most of the residences are this is where most of the businesses are you just get a lay of the land and that helps you to make sense of the details and so let's just say you're going to open up the book of ephesians and read paul's letter to ephesus you might get hung up on chapter one and you start to either feel frustrated or like god is literally descending on you like a dove and divinely (laughs) inspiring you to whatever. But I just sit down and read the book of Ephesians in one continuous thought, like reading Mm -hmm. as if you're reading a letter from a friend and just do that very basically. Don't get hung up and you will start to see things that you wouldn't have seen if you went too slowly, go slowly later on, but um, sit down and read Genesis in two settings. Read it on a Saturday night and on Sunday night. Read it in two settings. I guarantee you, you will see stuff that you didn't see, you know, like per- family dynamics that repeat themselves or whatever that you wouldn't have picked up on if you just zoomed in on like chapter 32 or something. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like building the frame of a puzzle first. Yeah. Get those edges on. And then, yeah, the third one is, is memorize scripture of, um, you know, we joked about this in as we were prepping for this podcast of just, man, you think about memorizing scriptures as a little kid in vacation Bible school or Awana's or whatever. And um, myself included, I don't know many adults that have a discipline of memorizing scripture. And it's not because we, we can't memorize things. Um, I could quote you a lot of office episodes or Jim Carrey movies. <laughs> That's um, a fact. That's with, a fact. Yeah. Hopefully with a pretty accurate tone as well. <laughs> But so my brain has the capacity to memorize things, um, but the way I live leads me to better remember Michael Scott quotes than like Jesus quotes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not proud of that. And I, I hope, you know, we can ask ourselves, how could I better memorize this? And memorize, memorization is good, but it serves a purpose of meditating on it and that God's word would be like flowing through our brains and our hearts 
And as you're going about your life, you can be actually chewing on God's word. Yeah. And that that's a, a form of worship. I, I think sometimes we disconnect, like you referred to earlier with the practices, we see them in isolation and we forget everything we do, we're, we're called to do it in faith and, and engaging our minds is an act of worship. It's saying, God, I, I honor that you are a God of revelation, that you have revealed yourself, that you've preserved your word and that you are active and living through your word in my life tangibly in a practical way. Yep. Yep. So to do that, I wanted to cover, actually, if you do have your discipleship book as you're driving, could you please pull that out, put it on your <laughs> steering wheel and look. <laughs> this is really important. You guys, you yeah. don't know when you'll get another Maybe, chance. Yeah. Put it in park. No. So each, uh, after each sermon, we have uh, four suggested books as additional complimentary resources to whatever topic we're talking about. Um, learning has a couple. I thought we just skim through them and maybe do that each week. And the first is the ESV study Bible. Um, so good. It's don't, the best yeah. study Bible out it's there. It's very good. They had a big research team. The art in there is really well done. Um, it's very easy to use. And so some basics of a study Bible, if you don't know, it just helps you work through it better. It gives you commentary, uh, usually brief, but explaining particular verses that are confusing. It gives you cross references to point you to other pieces of scripture that um, are helpful. It, one of the really cool things is book introductions. And this ESV study Bible does a great job of that giving you the historical background, the cultural context, the literary context of the book, outlining the book for you, and just doing a lot of the background research. So you don't pick up Ephesians and think that Paul is writing to you in 21st century Oregon. He's he was not. not and you can, get, okay. you can go wrong if that's your starting point. And then in the back also is really cool. There's basically a miniature systematic theology and apologetics stuff and um, a lot of other practical things for mm -hmm. you as a Christian. Um, like how the old Testament quotes the, or how the new Testament quotes the old Testament and lists of that. And so, I mean, my wife and I have bought probably a dozen ESV study Bibles for students or, you know, high schoolers that we've known in the past and just say like, Hey, this is what we want to give you is something that, you know, as you're reading, it's going to be a really good resource. And, um, you could, you could exhaust that for a while before you needed another one. If you read all the stuff that, that it has. So they're yeah. like 25 bucks on Amazon for a hardcover and you can check one out in our UFC library on <gasps> Sunday morning. UFC library plug. Read it in two weeks and bring it back. <laughs> um, and then, so the second book is called Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks. He's at a, a Dallas Theological Seminary um, and his son, I think. And this is the book I used a freshman year of Bible college to teach me how to read the Bible. Wait so a minute. It's always had a... <laughs> use this in seminary? No, Bible, Bible college? That sounds scary. Yeah. It's Tell me how easy not. this is. Um, I was... 18 and, and, and a fool. So and I, anyone and I, could read yeah, this book. Yeah. 18 year old, <laughs> uh, like post pubescent Jarrell did it. So you can do it. Oof. Um, and so, yeah, it's just very basic on, it has kind of structure of, of observe, interpret and apply and tools for um, understanding different literary genres. And it's really helpful. And I, I, I think it'd be a great book to work through in a mentoring relationship or a small group, get a couple of your friends together or your, or your um, group. And there's actually an accompanying workbook that has, you know, you can um, it's got guides for you to actually do what the book is telling you to do as well. So um, that's in our library and you can buy it for like 15 bucks and it would give you a really good base for the basics of understanding um, and interpreting the Bible. Uh, the sec the third one we have is a, as a condensed systematic theology by Wayne Grudem and systematic theology is a discipline where we systematize our theology, what? get what? out of town. 
Um, it sounds like a very Western thing to do, but it, it, you know, what does the whole Bible say about this? And it can be a, it can be a very useful tool for understanding things. And so we have a condensed one. We also have a Bible dictionary and a commentary there, I think as well. And a dictionary is what you would think it is. Um, it's, it's an English and, um, a commentary is just an extended commentary in the Bible. You can also buy commentaries for individual books of the Bible, which is really helpful. You know, if you're really studying deeply, um, to hear what someone says about something. So, yeah, great resources. I used, uh, well, just in this last week, I think I used every single one of those, except it wasn't an ESV study Bible is another one, but yeah, I've got all of those in my house right now and reference them every once in a while, especially when you hear something and you're like, what in the world is this? Or, or, you know, you encounter somebody who has a position on A, B, and C, and you're like, I don't know anything about those things in the Bible. And then you go pick one of these up and they explain, you know, multiple perspectives or whatever. Yeah. And there's, you can get a Bible dictionary that you could look up Judas and it would tell you all about Judas. You can get a theological dictionary, which you could look up Pentecostalism or Mm -hmm. you could look up, um, I don't know, whatever attributes of God or, and so it's more a, a synthesis and okay. And the last book is called from text to translation. And as you develop in your faith or, you know, I grew up in the church and when you're introduced to a particular worldview as a child, you just assume that it's valid. As you get older, you can kind of still and question whether or not the worldview you were given is even valid. Um, I, you see this in a lot of people deconstructing their faith, having you know, grown up in the church. And there's some helpful books to walk you through that if that's kind of where you're at. But I do think there's a time in our in our life as a Christian where we say, okay, I'm actually banking so much of my life on this old book. And so old. So there are other old religious books, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do I know that this is God speaking and how can I trust its uh, translation, trust its uh, scribes over the years, um, its manuscripts. And um, there's, a, this is a whole huge rabbit trail to go down, mm-hmm. but a very, very helpful book. It's called from text to translation. It will help a lot of, uh, answer a lot of your questions. Um, one of the disciplines in it is called biblical criticism and doesn't mean you're critiquing the, I mean, you are critiquing the Bible, but not negatively. Like mm-hmm. You're, you're shining a, um, a magnifying lens on it. And all right, how do we know that this Bible is something that we can trust from a number of angles? Um, and I would recommend as well, actually currently right now, the Bible project podcast is going through, um, kind of a, what, uh, I forget what it's called. What, what is the Bible or who wrote the Bible or how do we get the Bible? Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, they go down a lot of other rabbit trails, but that's actually been helpful even for me to hear some new ideas that I haven't quite heard of, of trusting this Bible. And so that would be the most maybe difficult of the books written to read. But if you do feel yourself asking, all right, how do I know that I can trust the Bible? I challenge you to do the work and discipline yourself to figure out like how you're going to answer that question. And this book would be very, very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, these are questions most of us ask or they're being asked around us. And uh, I think it's essential that we prepare that prepare for that, especially if you've got kids, teenagers, middle schoolers. Um, I know Vody Bauckham has a rule that his kids read Mein Kampf and the communist manifesto and a variety of these books that you'd think would rattle your worldview. And he says, I want them to read these books before they leave my home as adults so that they can be prepared for this stuff when they, you know, go out into the real world. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the last thing we wanted to cover today is just kind of introducing the rule of life. Again, if you're driving and you can look at your handbook, 
Um, there's just categories of daily, weekly, monthly, and then yearly or occasionally. And so let me just want to walk through a, a demo of this. If you're an overachiever, you're going to be tempted to put like 20 things down. Um, if you're not, you might be tempted to just skip it. But what if you kind of focused on that and just did a healthy couple things? And so, for example, you might say every morning I'm going to spend 20 minutes reading a portion of scripture. I'm going to work through it. That's it. I'm going to journal two thoughts about it. Every night I'm going to read a psalm and use that as a base to pray with my wife or my husband before bed or by myself before bed or friends. Um, all right, that's, that's what I'm doing every day. Every week, once a week, I'm going to sit down and, and try to read a large chunk of scripture. And once a week, I'm going to listen to a sermon on Sunday morning and take notes. And then maybe you go monthly. All right, once a month, I'm going to memorize some chunk of scripture. Maybe it's a psalm or maybe it's this cute text. That's all I'm going to do. So by the end of the year, I'm going to have 12 chunks of scripture memorized, maybe a couple verses, maybe 10, 12, whatever. And then once a year, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read, you know, or I'm going to read through the Bible in a whole year is my kind of yearly thing. Or maybe, maybe once a year on a nice summer day, I'm going to just take the day off, drive to the ocean, and I'm going to spend an extended eight hours of time just like with my Bible, with God and um, learning, you know, in that way. And so just kind of start there. And if you start to do that well, you can add some stuff in. Um, and that's kind of how the rule of life is going to develop for learning. Um, and then we're going to do this for each practice. And at the end, you kind of create your uh, master plan and synthesize all the daily, weekly, monthly, and occasional categories and print that out, stick it on, stick it on your fridge and um, be a be a better Christian. Be it, Do better. <laughs> do it better. Do better. No, but I'm glad you brought that up because, because we will be doing this for each practice. Don't be over eager to pile up any one more than the others because you'll have six different dailies in theory, if you do one a day or, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So awesome. Well, I, uh, I'm a big fan of learning. I enjoy this nerdy stuff. So thank you, Jarrell, for coming on and kind of synthesizing this and giving, giving everyone an idea of what it looks like to incorporate learning as a form of worship. Thanks, Chris. And thanks UFC for, uh, walking through this path with us. We'll see you next time, Jarrell. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.